You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In this week's episode, Father Paul begins his reading of Genesis chapter 18. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. I'm going to proceed along the same lines as with the few previous chapters. Just go through the text and make comments on both levels the meaning of some words and expressions and their function, and the other level would be the connection to other scriptural passages or books, because we talked about that so many times, that, you know, the entire scripture was written in tandem by the one school, and things are interconnected. So it's good to know that, and it will allow the hearers to just do the job on their own and look for things. Because as I said time and again, you know, scripture doesn't need to be explained. Just take the two famous parables of Luke, the Pharisee, and the publican, and the Good Samaritan. Very often, I'm sure people feel this way, that Why would the priest bother with a lengthy sermon of 25 minutes to tell us again about the prodigal son? And, you know, it's it's so clear. So let's go with chapter 18. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. Remember, if we go back to chapter 13, we notice that the oaks of Mamre are connected with Hebron. It is Hebron which is the inheritance of Abraham. And then it is connected to 1413, where we hear that Mamre was in Amorite. Very important, because in Ezekiel, the forebears of Israel and Judah were Amorite and Hittite and so on. So it's very important to remember that This scriptural Canaan, you know, I'm getting really tired of this historicization and geographicalization of things. That Canaan, you take the people on a chariot and take a tour of Canaan. No, Canaan is a scriptural entity. You know, it spreads all over the Syrian wilderness, all the way to the Hittites, Very often I refer to the beginning of Joshua, where Canaan is the land of the Hittites, only the Hittites, which is an extreme far away, and yet they are part of Canaan. And soon we shall meet Ephron the Hittite, giving a piece of land to Abraham. Anyway, very important. So, Whenever we hear the Bible, we have to try to connect, try to remember as much as possible what we heard before. Only then we will realize that the choice of certain words are intentional. So he sat at the door of his tent, 
one more time, tent is very important, reflective of shepherdism. He lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men here again. Let's not fall into this silliness of Trinity trying to fight Trinity in every other chapter, because it's very clear from the text that we have the Lord and two witnesses with him. That is the function of the other two. Because soon, as we shall hear, they will split. They don't go together all the time, the three. So we have the Lord and the two witnesses, angels, messengers that are with him. They stood in front of him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door, the repetition to the reference to the tent to meet them, and bowed himself to the earth, which again is taken usually as the proskinesis, the trinity, and so on. That's not so. This is how people greet the elder and the senior, even in the Middle Ages in Europe. I mean, it's an attitude where you bow to the other. And then he said, My Lord Adonai, very interesting, this use of the Adonai, which is going to become the word that will take the place of Yahweh in the Bible. You know, there was a tradition where you would not speak Yahweh, but you say Adonai. Technically, Adonai is my Lord's, not my Lord, but again, this is linguistic. You give importance to the other person, like in our tradition where you speak in the plural to the senior. Why? Because in the past, the top person, the king, or the top deity is surrounded by a council. This is the basis of the plural for Adonai. I have found favor in your sight. Now, in your sight means, in your sight originally, it's in your eyes. And only when we hear it this way, we hear the connection with 6-8, where Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And notice, do not pass tabor by your servant. Again, we have the verb abar, which technically means to pass, not necessarily to cross. If you pass over a bridge or over water, then you understand it as cross. But it is the same verb. Do not pass by, but stay here, accept my invitation, enter my tent. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. Here again, he's addressing all three. Earlier in your eyes, it was singular. Now he's addressing all three, the retinue of the senior. And then, while I fetch a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that, you may pass on. So please honor me with your presence before continuing your journey. So it would be interesting when we're teaching to point out to that passage to explain Abar without theology. You don't need theology. Just use it, put it in your notes, 
so that you can convince the people that this is the meaning of Abar. It is, if you like, a shepherd who suddenly has another shepherd passing by and he invites him to stay for some time before that shepherd would go on. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of finding, one for each. Obviously, Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good. Remember, I keep saying all the time that the animals, whether a calf or a lamb, one does not slaughter at will. Remember the ordinance after the flood that you don't kill whenever you feel like killing. It is always functional to honor someone in a special way. You kill a lamb and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and so on. And they were under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. Let's remember this repetition of tent because it's going to appear again in Isaiah where Sarah stretches out her tent and the stakes. That's the new Jerusalem which is impregnated by God himself. The children of Jerusalem come from Jerusalem and from God directly. And that's the story of Sarah, that Isaac, if you like, is not the biological child of Abraham. He is the biological child of Sarah that was granted to her by God. That is why Isaac is special. And here comes to mind immediately the statement of Paul in Galatians when he said, that our mother is the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly Jerusalem, and you or we, the, depending on the manuscripts, are children kata Isaac, according to Isaac. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and you will hear this repeated. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So it's impossible for her to get pregnant and have a child. Okay, let's face it, friends. We're talking about the text now. We don't have to go and make a biological study and figure out an MRIs and X-ray. That's not the point. The point is the story. And Sarah, guess what? Laughed to herself saying. So not only Abraham laughs, but also Sarah. So no one ultimately, and that's the point with which I shall end, is worthy of God's gift. Let me go back to, I found favor. Found favor in Hebrew means that the other person liked you. You know, in the Middle Ages, she found favor in his eyes, which means he liked her. Why does someone like another person? It is graceful. Remember how in the classroom I tell always the 
men, the boys, you know, not to try to explain too much why you fell in love with a certain woman. That's not good. You have to say the moon, the stars, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't control myself. It happened. And so that's the way you talk. And that's the technical meaning of to find grace in the eyes of the other one. That is why grace is a reminder to you that you are unworthy. Obviously, men do not tell the women that they are unworthy. It's just uh, uh, follow the language, the lead. It means it is so under the ages of the one who does it. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, remember that word, I will return to you in the spring, and Sarah shall have a son. So it has nothing to do with the nine months of pregnancy. It is the time appointed by God. And notice that Paul again uses this in Galatians, at the appointed time by the Father, things happen. So, very powerful text. I mean, I should desist of using powerful. Just interesting, okay, interesting <laughs> interconnection in the Bible. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. You see, the stretch regarding the laughter, so that at no point Sarah slash the New Jerusalem slash Zion could feel that God fell in love with me because I am worthy. Anytime you think of that, read, or better, have someone read to you Ezekiel 16 and 23. The wife of God is at the same time his daughter. He gave birth to her and reared her. Again, let's not enter into a class of ethics in modern seminaries. How do you marry your daughter and so on? We're going to be hit by that in the next chapter with the two daughters of Lot giving him wine so that he would be abbreviated so that they would continue the progeny, the blessing of God of chapter 1. So let's be a little bit more serious. Listen to the story and the movement of the story. Then the men set out from there and they looked towards Sodom and Abraham went in with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by him, Genesis 12. You see how the author introduces something very important, which we dealt with in chapter 17, that he's going to be the father of many nations. And it is through the will of God again. No, for I have chosen him, and please, let us be careful to this verse, because most of us, all of us, all Christians, not only the born again, think that, you know, it is so. You were granted 
the Spirit, now you're filled with the Spirit, you don't even need God anymore. Orthodox sound like that. They don't need neither God nor Christ, it's the Spirit that counts. As though it is their possession, I have it. But this is not what we hear. I have chosen him that he may charge. In the Hebrew, Yetzaweh, command. From the verb to command, from which we have the noun mitzvah, commandment. His children and his household. Notice this addition, a reminder of chapter 17, that everybody who is under his tent and is circumcised. That is why ultimately the top covenant is the covenant with Moses. All the previous covenants prepare for that. That he may charge, command his children and has her after him to keep the way of the Lord. Pure Deuteronomy, to keep the way of the Lord. We have heard, kept already in Genesis 2. But this use of both keep and way, it's very clear. And in this case, we have the way of the Lord. It cannot be clearer. By doing righteousness and justice. It is unbelievable. Washameru, they will keep Derek Yahweh, the way of the Lord. La'asot, in order to. Technically, it's not by doing, in order to. And here, Ezekiel already looms in his statements. The new covenant is for you to do. Sadaqah umishpat, righteousness and justice. Another, so that, more powerful, le man, so that, in order to, the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had promised him. And we are already in the new covenant of Ezekiel. There is no magic here. The covenant that God reinstates, that's the new covenant. It's not an other covenant. And this time, as Jeremiah explains, and also Ezekiel, it is written in your heart, which means, as I explain in my commentaries on Ezekiel and Jeremiah, this time, if you break your covenant, then you have broken your heart, and not a stone. Let's go back to the story of Exodus. The first and the second were on stone. But if we may call it the third, the Ezekielian or Jeremianic, it's in the heart. So at the judgment, hearts shall be broken, not stones. Stones is in the previous story. Okay, very important. So that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he deber allow, he said over him about him, and that's the promise. So you see, we have already the entire scripture here, but again, one has to be patient. You have just wait, you know, it's because I know it, I made this connection, but one has to be very careful not to 
go in a side and start talking about the connection as many of us do in theology no you have to stay with the text of genesis until you meet the other texts the bible as literature is a production of the ephesus school network